Well, I am so glad to have the privilege of connecting this mechanism so that Saints Radio can happen and Monica and I can talk to you. We hope that the really odd scenario of last week where the Sunday morning message kept bleeding in, I, Scott said he knew what was happening. I don't have any idea. Well, actually, some of the some of our listeners actually texted me and said it was good because they hadn't heard the Sunday morning message yet. Oh, well, maybe we just do that every week. <laughs> so they got to hear high points of the Sunday morning message. Yeah, it could be like commercial breaks. <laughs> it's called multi multitasking. Well, I hope I we hope that that's been rectified for the day. Well, yeah, and then the week before we actually didn't even really even. Yeah, we had broadcast. nothing. We had none. So, we just went down to the local bar that day and <laughs> had cool. mint juleps. Uh, anyway, it's good to be able to reach out and to say howdy-do to all of you folks. God is certainly doing a lot of things in uh, conjunction with his saints right now. Lots of... I wouldn't even they're revelation, but I, it's not like it's not like the stuff we used to get. It's like the stuff we used to get was powerful, but it those things were just almost like God training us. Okay, you feel the inclination to be on your face. Why? Oh, here it is in the scripture. All right, and this is what this does. Okay, and this is what this does. You're praying in lots of different languages. Where is that? Okay, here it is. What's the definition? This is it. This is what happens when you pray that way. Okay. And and those were really powerful. They've helped us to stay true to the Word, and they've helped us to grow in the Word, which everything we do should be on the Word. And it helped us to keep functioning correctly and properly in these powerful things. And I'm not saying God didn't use us for the kingdom's sake during that time, which he did. But, um, and I'm not saying we're not going to continue to learn in that way, which we will. But it seems like with the turning of the page of this new season in the Lord, and the closer we get to the end of all things, God is pulling on all of those things that we've learned, and we should know them, and he is actually using multiple dimensions of training in the midst of some of the things that are the PowerPoints of the throne, which, you know, what we've talked about in the past, think about the past year and a half where God started talking about our spirit and really hammering that he still is what goes on in, our, in the spirit within what where is this in the word where is this in the word where is this in the word which which is essential because out of that place flows rivers of living water so then he starts talking to us about the river, the river and now he starts talking about 
the trees in ways that we've not seen. And you add that to the fact that the, the things that I kind of stumblingly, that's not even a word. Pastor, that's not a word. Um, Who really talks like that? Oh, some very dear stickler for the rules that used to be here. Um, the uh, the things that I I brought this weekend about what they've studied about the rainforest. Science has only discovered that in the past couple of years or less, and they're still studying. So it's like nature proclaims the glory of God. God is showing us. He didn't tell us, okay, I want you to study about the the sequences of the river and gaining authority because I'm going to show you something about the trees. That's not what he did. But, but these things are really the essence of end-time warfare to me. I was talking about uh, with uh, Luke and Sylvie earlier when Jesus talked about the taking of strongholds and when he talked about when an unclean spirit goes out of a person. He goes through what? Dry places. And then he comes back to see if the place is still clean, unoccupied, see if it's functioning and seeing if there is a, a flow going on there, clean, filled, garnished. But that's really what it is. So this is the essence, the river that comes from the throne of God and the tree of life. This is the essence of what our relationship was with God and it's the it's the key to end time battle. It really is. Yeah. Not to simplify any of this because none of this is really simple. But you know, when I think about just the latest pursuit of his presence. Yeah. Which has been I mean, we've been pursuing his presence for our whole lives, but since the Lord changed us and we began to really begin to seek his ways and his mind, his heart, and to walk in it. But this last, what was it, about a year? When we really began to focus on welcoming his presence and and pursuing that presence, I don't know. For me, this is his presence. Because in him are all these things. In him are everything. That not only we are, who we are in him, our spirit, how we've been called to function in the midst of that with him, but also just the burden of his heart to restore the earth, which involves warfare. And it's it's just, it's amazing to me. It's amazing. It's also amazing to me that um, that he began, it's like he manifested the river here in a new way before he gave us the understanding That's of what we were stepping into. True, yeah. And we had to, we had to step into that, not having this new revelation. We had to step into that and, and apply that, that measure of his river by faith 
in a way that, that was really very powerful here in this house. And I'm assuming that it's happened throughout the houses mm-hmm. throughout the earth. But um, to me, that is pretty remarkable because it was so prophetic and it was so the vision. You know, we were, we were getting vision of this river and we were apl- activating and applying it before we really even had the depth of the revelation that we have now. Yeah. What, six months ago? Yeah. And I just think that's remarkable. You're right. That's uh, that's an incredible thing. I've been doing all these different offshoot studies that tie into this. For the book that you're going to write? Yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry. No, totally no, you're right. Uh, but, you know, like I was thinking of a, a joke, no, probably. like the angels that... Um, the angel that supplied for Ishmael and the angel that that stirred the waters at the pool of Bethesda. Um, And um, and like what you talked about with the the throwing of the tree into the waters at Merah and then something that I was studying the other day about um, Israel left there and then they roamed around, they came back there and then they went to Elam, where there were 12 pools of water and 12 palm trees. And then I started looking at the, the, the most significant trees in the scripture and what they represent and how they align and how they fulfill themselves with the, um, you know, the, the, the ways of the Spirit of God. Um, so many of the things that we've studied and learned together and been applying they all just weave into this and they all say the same thing when you look at it don't you think though it's significant that the Lord is bringing this he's uncovering this mystery and I know it's in Ezekiel but Ezekiel which was very prophetic but then also the book of Revelation Interesting. We're going into Brazil with the intent to heal the nation yeah. for whatever that, whatever that, or actually to impart and to empower the people there to heal the nation through the power of the Spirit and and other things as well. But um, that's 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 amazing to me. Do you know something else is pretty crazy? is, and just for the listeners, on Saturday we did a, a, a Zoom teaching with the French-speaking saints from Switzerland, from France, and from Belgium, and from Luxembourg. I don't know who else. But anyway, um, we talked about these things because we really, st- Sylvie had requested that we speak, gosh, she requested this three months ago, Yeah. that we speak this session on the healing of the nations. And really, us not knowing that we were going to be so deep in this study at this point, so yeah. that was prophetic all on its own. But the Lord uses her, and He uses our French-speaking saints in a way that really opens up and almost like the teacher seer. Yeah. 
capacity. Anyway, so we, we had this, this, this teaching on Saturday, and it was pretty remarkable, but one of the things that we talked about was when the Lord directed Moses to take the, the tree and put it in the water, fill it in the water, to turn the bitter waters into sweet. And later that afternoon, I, I, I have an acquaintance that his name is Ray, Rabbi Jason. I don't know if you've ever heard of him. But he's a rabbi. He's a, he's a um, born again. <laughs> you know, he's a rabbi. And I follow him on social media. And he, on Saturday evening, he posted from the Jewish calendar that that day was the very day that Moses was directed to throw that wood into the water. Really? Yes. Wow. It's kind of crazy because remember during the seminar when I was talking about, I can't remember, oh gosh, I was talking about the Valley of Weeping and I was talking about Rama and about um, how that, that passage of scripture represented when the children of Israel were taken captive. And that very morning, I, I Googled it, or I looked something up, and it popped up. It, is that very day was the day in history that that had happened. So that's the second time that's happened recently, and I just think, that's crazy. Wow. Yeah. So we're on the timetable of the Lord in a, in a remarkable way. We're in the timetable of the Lord. And he's releasing these mysteries, and it's... We're on it. But are you in it? And I don't, you know, I mean, I don't follow the Jewish calendar, but I do think that, that I mean, I do, I'm a student just like we all are of the, the Old Covenant, and I, I, I'm inspired oftentimes by that perspective when it's a God-fearing, um, <laughs> well, you know, there's there's so many weird things. There's, uh, it's not weird. The Spirit of the Lord is the author of this scripture, and the 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 way that the the water is drawn up from the roots is the same word that describes. Moses being drawn up out of the reeds when he was floating. And it's the same word that Behemoth drinks the water up out of the, with his eyes. And so there's a miraculous thing when God asks us to begin to embrace his burden for the purpose of partnering with his mysteries to Hagias to turn the thing that was darkness or wickedness or twistedness to partner with him to see it brought back into life, uh, into what God ordained. And when we accept that, then it sets this process of drawing up, whether that's, you know, obviously it's a spiritual function in this fallen principality. And obviously, that's what God had happen with Moses to save his life out of those bulrushes. And, um, but there's, there's death and there's the possibility of destruction 
And even when that process begins, it's in what we would call the winter, the beginning of the season where everything's dead. Everything's dead. But the beginning point begins when you focus on the things that are dead and believe for for life. And, you know, the, the hand, the palm of the hand is symbolizing winter and storm and in that point of death and even what eve said to the serpent you know we're not supposed to eat of that fruit or touch not to touch the palm of the hand the cop we not to touch that which is more of an operative partnership so she's talking about the end result with the fruit and the beginning point with the cop and so I, I just think this is this is such there's so many extrapolations out from scripture just by recognizing this is what's going on because it you see bits and pieces of it everywhere where God does some measure of deliverance, where God does some measure of of healing. Now I, I don't know I've been looking, and I gotta find it. When that guy told Jesus at the pool, an angel comes and troubles the water. There's some deeper measure of what that means because Jesus did not contest that. I think there's a point for us to understand of generating the miraculous on a per personal basis through this river. See so the river. See the leaves heal the nations. But the river changes everything. And, and really, and, and you think about Christ crucified. The stake of ownership was the payment for the histemes. But the tree itself was that same word tree and the tree of life, only used for the cross and for the tree of life. Jesus not only paid for the histeme, but he made possible this process for us as trees in that. And but but to me, this is this is magnificent for God to show us this. I'm not discounting that. And our obedience is going to generate things that need to be done in the kingdom. But there is a factor of drawing out. There is a factor of deliverance. There's a factor of healing. There's a factor of generating that rofe on a personal basis that I believe God's got to show us. We see it. Um, there's a principle in the spirit realm with Behemoth and drawing up with his perception of the ways of the river with his eyes, drawing it up. That suction, where it's accessing, is, is a key to spiritual warfare. It's a key to healing. It's a key to changing scenarios in a geographical way. It's a key to generating the seasons of the Lord and generating an intercessory atmosphere with a convection because that only happens because the trees do this. It's the Sha'al the former and the latter rain, ask of me and I will give that to you. It's, it's, that, it's that twofold thing. 
we under, we're understanding this deuterium, that heavy water at the beginning of the cycle, but then the, uh, uh, the oceans contribute, which the oceans and the seas are mankind. Um, they only generate 20% in the Congo and 40% in the Amazon. So I don't know what that means. I mean, but it's still a, a hefty percentage split. And maybe it's more equal. Maybe it's somewhere in the middle. Maybe it's 75% in their, their equations, which they're just studying now, are just a little bit off one way or another. I would imagine that they're both constant. I would imagine that they're both at 75%. But then you look, you look at the parable of the sower, and 75% of the first part of the process ends up not really where you need it to be, but the 25% at the end is, is fruitful. Um, so if it's a 75% ratio, both, both the, the rainforests in Africa and in South America, I'm sure that they would find the same thing in the Chinese rainforest, but you can't get in there. Um, maybe the Chinese will flow one of their spy weather balloons over there and tell us. Um, I'm going off on this, but I think that um, there are so many factors to this, but it all comes out of that river of life. Here's another weird thing I was thinking about, and I think this makes a whole lot of sense. In Ezekiel, we know that this river emerges from under the threshold of the temple. But in Revelation 22, it emerges from the throne. So I'm saying that in, before the fall, the throne, the altar of incense, and then there would be a staging area where the temple currently is. And I think that perhaps the enemy, being Hillel, would mobilize out of that place. I don't know that. I remember one time when we were in prayer, well, I, it was a, it's in the morning. I was up in the balcony. Paul was somewhere else in the balcony. That's all I remember. But I would more remember what God told me. I looked and I saw, the, I was looking straight on at the temple. And an angel said, the enemy is going to detest this work because you're doing what he used to do. And I was looking at the temple. So when the kingdoms of this world become the kingdoms of our God, then the temple is no more. It's gone. And then the, the proper flow of the river is readily seen from the throne. And, and that staging area that we're partnering with God in now as a temple and as a tabernacle to set these up throughout the earth where when you go in there, you see people proskuneoing, you see the plagues coming out. It is a warfare headquarters. You see the, the envision of the globe. You, you see all those things looking out over the nation. All of that will be brought back uh, into its proper flow. No pun intended with a river. But all of these things make really significant sense. Um... And everybody that's focusing on, you know, temple realities, 
You have to realize that he is our temple. But the river, that's what the enemy corrupted. That's what the serpent tempted with. That's interesting. So, could it be that when the woman with the issue of blood reached out and touched the hem of his garment, could that be a demonstration of that? To draw that point of function from his identity and to bring healing? Yeah, or, and in addition, she had been flowing, but flowing in a, in a wrong way, flowing in a pathway to death. She was effusing blood. And then when function came through touching and drawing from, then the proper flow was restored. Probably the proper flow within her body, proper, perhaps we don't know how old this woman was, perhaps her reproductive system was then rekindled so yeah, I think I think so. I mean, you just think about the image. I've always seen, thought the image would be she somehow had to get through the crowd, but I would think that the hem of his garment was close to the ground. Yeah. So she would have had to pull that. I don't know. Maybe I'm stretching it. Well, I think it's I think it's interesting that where we're going in Brazil, as, as we both know, there is going to be a confluence of ethnos there. You're going to have people from Africa, various points of Europe, from all kinds of different ancient tribes from South America. You're going to have people from here um, with whatever roots we have. And there's going to be a gathering of the ethnos, which is going to be really amazing. I don't know how many ethnos varieties will be there. Several dozen, probably. So what better point of the Father being able to release? It's like in Pentecost, when there were people from all over the the Mediterranean, Northern Africa, um, Southern Africa, from Sudan, I, and and then the Spirit poured out on that. So, Palladium Dasi. So we need to, we really need to recognize this moment saints and take responsibility for it and pray um, and speaking of that this coming Sunday we are going to be initiating seven weeks of prayer for the uh, Brazilian campaign but then certainly a few weeks after that in a different vein for the Western Europe in France. But um, we'll be sending out on Sunday um, some kind of a, a document for the saints that will chart 
what we're going to do each week, um, we'll find some way to communicate this. Maybe, I don't know, probably mention it on Sunday where it's initiated each week. This is what we're doing this week. Um, we'll probably next Wednesday night, not tomorrow, Next Wednesday night, we'll have, on the last Wednesday of April, this fourth month, Fast of Feasting, we'll have a prayer time here where we initiate that first week of, which will be an appeal for his presence. So we'll send that out to the network and we would wholeheartedly invite and respectfully invite all of you to participate in that week to week because we need um, we need to really cover this this thing it's not just for this meeting it's a series of meetings but for the theater of a battle and God ordaining this and um, and I, I was looking at the thing the other day and I recognized that it was Aligned in, in conjunction with the seven spirits. Well, of course, it was. And we—I didn't write that with that intent. Maybe we're just thinking that way now. Hopefully, maybe the spirit just directed that. You're right. But you know, we're not listing. You know, we're not listing them, but we're going to be talking about what we're believing for in each of those weeks. Um, so look for that so don't ask for it beforehand we're not ready to send it it'll be debuted on Sunday and you'll probably get up and have speaks about that which is normally what we do um, so that's kind of exciting I'm trying to do a different strategy. This is TMI, where the Thursday prior to that week, uh, I've been doing my part of the sequence of teaching the Brazilians. So beginning this week, I'm going to teach them about the next week's emphasis on prayer. But and then they debut it on Sunday and do it for that week. But I'm also, I've got a meeting with Yawali here in a couple of hours to figure out what else I need to provide for them so it's not just Luciano's church that's getting it. So we're trying to find two other avenues of ways to get it into the hands of the pastors leading into that Sunday so that they can all be in agreement. Um, we're happy to know that our French-speaking brothers and sisters are going to be joining. Fallon and I was talking with yesterday. He's got his his people up there in Maryland. What do you mean his people? And the West Africa Nations Prayer and Fasting Network from West Africa praying. So we have a... And of course, Uwale, Mexico City. Um, it's really a... It's really an interesting thing this, this alliance of the nations, don't you think? Oh, absolutely. And I, I do feel like we need to, to say this. Um, 
I know during the seminar we made an announcement and handed out a sheet of a template of prayer for five weeks mm-hmm. that we announced that this was going to be our template for prayer for Brazil and for Europe. And I want to apologize for that. I think I jumped the gun with no, that. No, no, no. No, because this is not... Um, I, I don't want anybody to be confused. Uh, this is more of an augmented... Well, maybe that five was for the mind of Christ, and this is, I knew we needed to start now, because the battle is yeah. heating up. Yeah, it's not, it's not like we were wrong in, in initiating that. We really did think that, that that was the template that we needed to use. Yeah. So, and you know, if that's one of the things that we talk about regarding religion and um, and the leaven, you don't, um, <laughs> you, you leave, you leave the leaven from the past victories and you embrace, um, you embrace new things in the Lord. So, um, anyway, we will look forward to partnering with you in that. It's not that, hey, if some of you want to use that, that five week or two, do it. <laughs> oh my goodness, this is it's it's such a big it's such a big thing that God is is giving to all of us. And um we're we're trying to do the spiritual while also trying to put things in motion for the the practice of the natural, almost said the practical things. The most practical thing we could be doing is doing the spiritual thing. But, you know, you've got you to be a lover and a warrior so that there are things that have to be done regarding the actual place and the, the, the group of people that are coming and what uh, the organization of when we need this and when we need that and whose group is doing what and you know it's it's good and then throw in the mix I have a couple of weddings one that just finished and another one that is coming up just in a couple of weeks that I've heard about um so but you know you can you can do all things through Christ it's his strength. It's his work anyway. And I'm I'm very grateful for that and so thankful for all of you who are willing to partner with the Lord in this way. And um you know, I just think back on the things that do do you realize the depth of the meat from his word that God's been giving us recently. Just a couple of weeks ago, he was talking about he was bruised for our iniquities and how that the, the bluing of the wound was what Caleb faced at... Um, when he said, give me this mountain, it, it's the word for Hebron, which was the place of the either the anointing of kings or the weaving of curses in witchcraft. 
and um and then of course Caleb famous for the upper and the nether springs which we talked about in the promised land see we we can't just take uh responsibility for points of gathering intercessory groups or whatever we have to have this supply of water we have to have what emanates from the throne and of all the things that the enemy could have fought over with Eve all the things that he could have focused his attack on for him to choose that tree is is really unique it don't you think it wasn't just about obedience and disobedience it's not like having something up on the counter and telling the little boy that's just learned to walk, don't you touch that. It wasn't that. It, it wasn't that. It was the operative principle of what, how the enemy misused that tree and how, um, I, I still don't know, it was either that it was there as a sign and as an example or it could have been also there because when you utilize the power of the throne, there is a lasting dimension to it. And, um, you know, it's like what God said, you know, what are we going to do with these people now? We got to get them out of here because um, if, they, if they continue to function in that way, they'll live forever. So we'll, we'll be looking at that and... But to weave all of these concepts together while you're still trying to learn and probe forward into new things is um, is it's not impossible, but it really is um, it really is an amazing thing. Because okay, so you think you've got the river and the trees, you have the promised land, you have Jehovah Rophe, you have the principle of, of the voice thunders, lightnings, earthquake, which is really, as we've learned, in the natural generated by these trees. Um, you have the palm of the hand and what the, the palm and the sole of the foot means uh, you know, with the valley, the the beginning point, the the winter. You have the Sha'al principle. Asking me, I'll give you the former and the latter rain, which is what's generated from the trees and intercession, and then what then is generated with the oceans, and a myriad of other things, and they all weave in together. And so, how to present that? Um, God's going to have to help us, but it's the same thing. Every day there's something new that God is revealing from his word, something incredibly important and deep. Um, and it, that's good. That's so, that's so exciting to me. Here's another thing we're doing. Um, the, the, se the seven most prominent trees in the scripture. 
types of trees and what they represented in conjunction with the seven spirits. And they did represent things in conjunction with the seven spirits and what God said about them. But it's the essence of the tree. And I'm, I'm not going to go through it right now. But I think we need to understand that then too. Because you think of how many trees you had sitting under the fig tree. You had the juniper tree. You have the mustard seed that grows into a great tree, it says. You know, even, even Noah's, um, the, the wood that God asked Noah to build the ark with, which in King James is, is a funny word, but it's really the acacia, which is, I don't know, I think the acacia was kind of like our bodark because it's super hard wood, but it's a lot prettier than bodark wood. And, and it had thrones, uh, it's thorns, huh? Didn't they use gopher wood for something? Yeah, go, gopher. That was just, <laughs> you had a bunch of step and fetchets and gophers. <laughs> hey. Aren't you going them back? <laughs> hey, you, go for that for me. So anyway, but I, I don't know. I mean, there's, there's many of those. And, of course, one of your favorites is the palm tree. Oh, absolutely. Which was in the temple. And also in the pools of Elam, you know, there's that group, I don't know if they're still functioning over in England, the Elam movement, mm -hmm. where they wanted the deeper things of the Lord and the pools of water. Uh, you know, I don't want to get too far off in those things because you can, you can lose yourself in these extrapolations and God's showing us new things that are and he's not wasting any time doing it. I'm so grateful to the Father. And I ask that he'll help us. But here's the other deal. One of the things we're praying for, one of the weeks of prayer, will be that the Spirit of Truth will guide us and help these people to understand. Because a lot of these folks that are going to be hearing whatever it is that we're teaching about, we're, not, we're going to talk about this a couple of times and then we're going to impart. But we're also talking about elemental things. But a lot of these people haven't heard any of this. And a lot of these folks, and not ridiculing, are really not very educated and in any way. And so, it always sounds like you dumbed down. What did Jesus have to do? I think this is why Jesus taught in parables. Because there would be a, a lasting points of application. But... It was also because of what he lamented. There's a lot of things that I want to tell you, but you, you can't bear them now. So we need the anointing. We need God to do a dynamic thing and with that to overwhelm them, just like he overwhelmed us. But with that, we've got to be really careful because the enemy will try to get in there and redirect that flow and get people focused on manifestation or get people, be maybe even some, I'm fully expecting some deliverance things where, and then people, it's kind of like Kenneth Hagin when he would talk about deliverance. I used to love to listen to him. I need to whip out some of those old cassette tapes I have. I have like almost a hundred, I think. 
cassettes of Kenneth Hagin teaching because it just was revolutionary at the time. But it, he was funny. He said, all people in churches, they love a good deliverance. And once they get going on that, it's kind of hard to do anything else. He said, I was in a meeting one time and there were some people that they were like a bunch of coon, to- coon dogs that had treated a demon. <laughs> what he was saying was, you know, they're under the tree. And, and you know, once something like that starts happening, people will take their eyes off of, like the little boy down at the bottom of the hill with the Mount of Transfiguration. And he's rolling around the ground, foaming at the mouth. He's got a father that's weeping. You've got a lot of... Uh, of mothers themselves probably oh that poor boy and it just exasperated everybody and and i fully expect i'm not giving him license to do it we need to be praying that this will be stopped but i could see how if there's a a really powerful flow of the spirit there'll be some nonsense like that and if our people aren't smart they'll go chasing it or and we've got to tell the Brazilian folks, hey, look, if anything like this happens, we're saying you've got to continue ministering to them, but you've got to get them out of the meeting. You've got to take them over into another place and minister to them there because we're here for this brief window of time not to have the enemy entertain us, but to impart to this nation and to set these indigenous people into a discipleship mode where they can scatter back in. I remember, was it the last time we were there? We had this pastor's kind of a gathering, and we had people from Venezuela, from Colombia, from Uruguay, from Peru, from Chile, from Argentina, and there were just people from everywhere that were there in that meeting, pastors saying, will you come, will you come? So we need to see God raise up disciples and have them go back and do this work. So we we don't, it's not that we won't bring points of freedom to people, but we can't let the enemy take charge of this meeting because this is not a deliverance meeting. People can be delivered and they will be delivered. We've got to stay on focus. It's like when Jesus sees tumult and he says, he commands the, the, the devil to, to be quiet. A lot of people want him to keep yakking because it makes it sound exciting. Well, let's have some more of that. It makes us feel like we're accomplishing something. Um, we've got to establish these people. And, and we've got to establish something in the spirit realm. Uh, and I wonder about this because that first prayer time, the last time we went down there, what gathering of that what what I said it may I I may have been miss I may have been limiting it, but there were five major components armies of the angels of the Lord that were there five of them, and I could see where they were posted all through the southern part of our country through Mexico through Central America and South America, and they were mobilized and ready for us, and we made an agreement to go to the Amazon at the end of that meeting and then COVID hit and the very place we were going became the graveyard of Brazil in Manaus and right there at the at the beginning of the Amazon River 
at the beginning of the rainforest. That's where we were going. And the enemy rose up and said no and froze things. And the page of the Lord turned. Now, why are we now getting this info before we go back into Brazil about the rainforest and the trees and the rivers? I think we, we cannot fail to see this. It's like the enemy came in one way, and boy, wasn't it a big way, in the nations around the world. We see a whole different dynamic geopolitically now. Since that time, since that time, China has moved into Brazil in a bigger way than they were. Now they have eliminated the dollar as the base currency, and they're dealing directly with China. And the t you want to talk about the time being short for that nation and for South America? Look, oh. and I feel for our country because this nation has sinned. I was looking at Second Second Chronicles seven fourteen. You know, the if my people passage, and and God lists three things. And the first one is if I shut up the heavens, that there be no rain, and then He lists two others, and I'm going to do my best to equate those three things with that structure of the high place the mounds, and the groves. I mean, this, is, this was what God said at the beginning of this temple dedication. But the heavens and the rain was the first thing he, he talked about. That's the first thing that Elijah dealt with when he was going against Baal and Ashtaroth. See, all these things that just, it's just blowing on around us. You know, it's like God's bringing all these things together and we need to pray, let our spirit be active so that our passion will embrace that, so that our understandings will embrace it. And then out of that place, this river flows. Out of the innermost being will flow rivers of living water. This is the touch point. I'm touching my belly. You have a belly too. Your spirit is in there. But the passion, the perception and the understandings, it's all out of that. And the thing that works it is the um, tongues, diversities of tongues. You know, we talked at the seminar about how the enemy attacks that innermost place. Offenses, woundings, Instead of us being broken before the Lord, which the sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, the enemy tries to break. And I love what Faladin said, and he wasn't saying it in this context. He said, if an egg breaks from within, there's life. If it's broken from without, there's death. That is, that is African wisdom right there. That's Nigerian wisdom. I'm rambling, right? I'm a rambling man. All right, I'll be quiet. What say ye? You're not going to be quiet. I feel good. I think that, you know, you were talking about we need to pray that the enemy doesn't 
trying to hijack or intercept what God's doing in these meetings. And I totally agree with that. I remember our experiences in Uganda. Whew. Yeah. And at that point, we really, we didn't know what we know now. We don't know what we didn't know. But I also think that we need to pray that this passion and this stirring and this impartation for prayer sticks. And because we know none of this stuff is going to be effective if they're not praying. Yeah. And that is, you know, it, it's, it's always, it, you know, it's, it's the Lord can do anything at any moment in a, in a hungry people. But, you know, when you're going in, and granted, I don't know the demographic of this group and what all they've been taught, but I do know that we've been laboring for the last six months to teach them these foundational principles about intercession and about who they are as sons and et cetera. But I don't know if that is for everyone. No, see, coming. I think that that's just been being given to Luciano's church. And that's what we've got to step in now and say, okay, we love you all, but we're not just teaching your church. Because they can't carry it all in intercession. No. We need all of these churches, and particularly the pastors and the leadership, to take hold of this message of intercession and absolutely just demand, no, that's not the word, just demonstrate with passion because it's, and that is something we are going to have to say. Well, see, yeah, okay, you just said that word demand, and I remember that scripture where it says, Command ye yeah. me concerning my sons, concerning the work of my hands. And I'm wondering whether we don't need to have a time where we go before the throne as lieutenants of our Father and make these commands, make these commissionings at the throne that God will cause this work of his hands to be known among his sons. So perhaps it's not part of the seven, but I think that we as saints here need to be doing that maybe every Monday as part of this. Command ye me concerning my sons, concerning the work of my hands. And remember that commanding is not telling God what to do. That is a lieutenant word where we are focusing on behalf of what God has given us to do and we're utilizing the power of the throne on his behalf. That's powerful, isn't it? Oh, yeah. I'm glad you said that. You got anything else in there you want to say? <laughs> I got to write this down. Because the faith movement used to use that scripture. I can hear... Kenneth Copeland sent, command ye me. You are standing up. You come boldly as sons up there and you tell God what belongs to you. Amen. <laughs> Got to say it with a southern accent or an Oki accent. I don't know any of I mean, I know the oh names my of these people, God. but I have not listened to any of these people. Oh, my God. I got that preached to me. Some, I won't do it. Well, that's the difference between your assembly of God upbringing and my Baptist upbringing. Well, but see, this happened, this happened in the late 70s and early 80s. You know, we had people that would go to the big faith convention, 
over in Fort Worth. And they'd come back here telling me, oh, you know, I won't say who, because you would know them. They would, they would be telling how we were missing it because we weren't embracing what Brother Copeland was saying. And I bless them all. I bless it all. But this verse is not us telling God what to do. This verse is us recognizing sonship and the work of the palms of God's hand that he's entrusting to us and on behalf of his throne what he wants to do. We're commissioning that. It's not telling God, you know, Monica's Beamer is a couple of years old. We command you to get a new one. That would be nice, though, wouldn't it? <laughs> well, that, I mean, that is the ultimate measure of partnership. It really is. And the privilege that we have to partner with God, that he would even allow us to do that is just remarkable. Yeah. And to, and you know, you factor in the whole principle of Sha'al and the intimacy that comes through that, the relationship that is the foundation of Sha'al. What a privilege that we have to walk this and to be this with him. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it, it just, I marvel at, at people that just don't get it. I mean, I, do, I really do. I was I was doing a coaching call last week. I'm part of a prophetic uh, group of women. And through one of the levels of prophetic training, I had written one of the session, one of the, the teaching sessions on prayer, prophetic prayer. So they had me coach this one with the new students. And I was talking about prophetic intercession and because they have not actually had the teaching of, you know, I don't know who's praying in the spirit, who's praying in tongues, who's praying in that, you know, I don't know those things because I'm here and they're there and I'm just not that connected. But anyway, so I'm talking to them about what it means to, to pray in spirit prophetically and how, you know, supplication and prayer and how you press into the heart of God and you draw from that the burden of his heart and then you prophetically pray through that what is the burden of his heart and it was so interesting because we know that's true we know that's what we do but the the first question that came forth was it's not always about the burden you know god has victory in his heart too was the comment that i got and i thought okay they don't understand what burden is you know they they immediately like associated that with something negative. So I had to go in and explain, you know, in his, God's heart is restoration for his creation. And we were put on this earth to partner with him in bringing forth that restoration to turn things back to what their intended yeah. purpose was. But it was like, it was more about declaring from a, you know, declaring, which we do, but declaring the fulfillment and the victory of it without the first, you know, the supplication yeah. is what I'm trying to say. And it's, it's that I'm not saying anything. I'm not criticizing. The, I'm just saying they want to come from the viewpoint of being the overcomer without overcoming anything. See, that's the prophetic mindset. Yeah. Is I'm going to be a voice, but you can't, you, you can't do it without the supplication part. So how do you know what you're prophesying? Yeah. If you're not in his heart and you're not gleaning what that burden is. I mean, I've never looked at God's burden as something negative. To me, it's always been something, this is what he intends to do, whether, no matter what it is, it's it's yeah. what is on his heart to 
to accomplish in and through us as partners, yeah. right? Okay. But my point is that it was, <coughs> it was like I was speaking foreign language, and, and so we got to talk through it and process through it, which was a great blessing. But I, my point is, is that, I mean, these are prophetic, these are women that are running with the Lord that are very gifted, and I just think, oh my gosh, there's so much that God has taught us about our function and who we are and how we partner that the church just does not get. I think that's probably one of the reasons, one of the many reasons why they cast their crowns at his feet. And one of the reasons that you have to have no leaven when you come before the table of grace because yesterday's victories and yesterday's accomplishments mean nothing. Um, and I wonder, I wondered about the burden with those leaves of the trees as they begin to embrace the the carbon factors and the pollutants that's the beginning of the whole process that that's the beginning of the whole cycle if you're not sucking that out of the air then there's no water being drawn up and but it begins with that burden well that that's good i'm glad you're but see, we would we would encounter like in France and and even when that really weird trip I took to Argentina, where we were around all these prophets, or even when I'm not talking about your people, I'm talking about the, the big the big well-known prophetic icons, even when Bill Hammond had that um, meeting with me and Paul and. A lot of these heavy hitters were sitting there meeting with their pub, the publishing arm. They all would roll into town, toot the shofar, give their words, and go out, and everybody would think, okay, it's all done. You, we've seen this, the people, and we would say, no. I mean, we, that accomplished something, but you've got to, you've got to intercede. We're we're done. We're late. Yeah. Okay. You've got to leave. Do you have something else you want to say? I'm just finishing because you've got an appointment. Uh, no, I just bless bless our beloved saints, brothers and sisters. Thank you for joining us. It's been a good hour and five minutes. Yeah. <laughs> well, thanks ever. Thanks everybody. Don't 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 tree no demons now. I'd sooner hear a donkey bray at midnight in a tin barn. <laughs> that was another one of his phrases. You've heard Kenneth Hagin. He's dead now. No. Oh, I got to bring him. Oh, man. Is he the one that rides a motorcycle? No, that's Copeland. Oh, okay. Well, probably not riding that motorcycle anymore. He no, he's not dead yet. I did used to listen to, um, is it Pat Robertson? 700 Club? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's the closest, I, I think, and I, I did listen to some Bob Larson when I was... Oh, yeah. When I was praying with Lydia, I literally, for that whole summer, I sat, hey, cool, listen to the Bob Larson deliver people on the radio. <laughs> He'd be talking to demons. Oh, Charles Baker used to persecute me. Oh, well, I've got my deliverance Bible. Uh, and we believe in deliverance. We believe in all these things. Well, maybe not all of them. Charles Baker, he literally, like, 
chase my son out the back door <laughs> to his car to make sure that Noah had his deliverance book. <laughs> like he was not going to let him leave without his. Noah's like, no, thank you. And he, he was not going to let him leave. God Ooh. rest his soul. <laughs> okay. God bless you all. Adios, amigos. <laughs>